Hi there, and welcome to another episode of How's the Pressure? I am your host, Haley Winter, and today I'm bringing in two practitioners from a field called sexological bodywork. Their names are Captain and Frey. Now, they both are practitioners and teachers of this practice. So I'm thrilled I was, be, I was able to get the opportunity to talk to them about the work that they do. For many massage therapists, and some would say all massage therapists, it's only a matter of time before we become face-to-face with the sexual side of someone in our clientele. In my opinion, one of the gaping holes in the education that massage therapists receive in the U.S. is a lack of training around human sexuality. Now, as some of my more dedicated listeners probably know, I have done episodes in the past with a somatic therapist to better understand human sexuality so I can be better prepared to handle it when I'm in the massage room. This conversation is going to come from a slightly different angle because I'm learning from people whose job it is to help people discover and explore their sexual pleasure. Now, at the heart of this conversation is the sad truth about how disconnected some people are from their pleasure. You know, the first step in learning how to gracefully navigate this messy and controversial arena is to be able to look at the situation with less judgment and more understanding. So I hope this conversation is the beginning of that, that it's a map to help you navigate the range of experiences that clients may have on your table. So without further ado, I give you my conversation with Captain and Frey. Welcome, Captain. Thank you. Welcome, Frey. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me. I feel honored that you have taken the time to make this uh, a part of your schedule. I know that you are in the middle of a very intense training right now, and so let's get right into it. I am curious, what is your definition of sexological bodywork? Yeah, well, our definition of sexological bodywork is um, body-based sex education. Body-based sex education. Yeah. Oh. What other forms of sex work are in the field, and how are they different from sexological bodywork? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities of, uh, like, there's erotic massage. I mean, there's all various forms of sex work that's out in the world. And I think what makes us, um, you know, I don't want to say like different, but we just have like a different set of boundaries. We wear uh, clothing the entire time. When we we touch genitals, we wear gloves and it's one way touch. So we don't receive touch at all. So I think that's like a different container than maybe some other forms of sex work where uh, the work might be a little bit more interactive potentially or involve more partner engagement uh, depending on you know, the modality of the sex work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we get excited about, in this modality, about working with people um, around their sexuality that's separate from partner engagement. So there's lots of fantastic um, modalities out there of sex work where people are working on connecting with other people. Sexological body work is basically about getting educated about your own body and how you experience arousal, Choosing, learning to choose pleasure in life and an expanding repertoire for what it is that you might want to enjoy and be able to ask for it, right? So there's so, like Frey said, there's so many fantastic um, kinds of sex work out there. Our, our thing about sexological body work is everything that we do is in order to get that person 
to be more likely to get what they want out there in the world. So sort of to not repeatedly come back to us, you know, for, uh, for to have something done to them or to have an entertainment experience, which is super cool. But we're all about like teaching skills and practicing skills so that their erotic life in the world expands and they can get what they want out there. Hmm. And you guys' focus is a one-way touch so that there's a removal of the of the other, the partner that would be participating in this. Yes. And do you guys work one-on-one or is it multiple people in the room working with the one person how does it how does it usually work? Yeah, I mean it depends. Um some sexological body workers work one on one with folks. Um some work with couples, some work with groups. Yeah, it just sort of depends on what the person's looking for and of course like what each sexological body worker, you know, how they want to work with people in the world. Yeah. Mm. And what are the legal policies around this work? I'm assuming it's it can be falling into a gray area. Absolutely. Um, so, so you know, I think one of the like a little bit of a history of of sexological body work. Joseph Kramer, who is a, you know a, a famous um, sex educator and one of the founders of erotic touch stuff in in California, he when he was doing his doctorate at the Institute for the Advanced Study of Human Sexuality. 13, 14 years ago, he and Ted McElvena, uh, who runs the Institute, got together and created this program called Sexological Bodywork. And at that time, they wrote out all the curriculum, gathered all the textbooks, and sent it off to the Bureau of Post-Secondary Education, I think it's called, for the state of California. And um, someone, somewhere, in a cubicle, in a government building, sat and watched all the erotic massage videos read through all the material i love this visual (laughs) yeah yeah and the training is approved by the state of california so that doesn't exactly make no laws have been changed Mm -hmm. but it makes it legal to teach it it's It's not necessarily legal to practice it right but it's you're able to get a business license because it's because of the legal state approved yeah wow yeah and there's never been any any challenges in the court challenges to it so um, people feel pretty pretty confident. I mean, the legal advice we get is is don't you know don't be low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. whatever that means. And we're educators, right? So we promote ourselves yes. as such. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, what are some of the like therapeutic benefits people get when they receive a, a sexological bodywork session? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's all kinds of things, um, and of course, it depends on what their journey is and what they're interested in and working on. But you know, really what we focus on is getting people back in touch with their bodies to be able to talk about sexuality. So in talk therapy, they're using their voices and their thoughts and stories. And so, and that's great. And that's working with that, working with their story where we're working with what sexuality is, like what it's doing in the body. Like you're saying, I think so often people have done a bunch of therapy and spent a whole bunch of money and have gotten lots of great benefits and then hit a wall, right? And they're like, there's still, the stuff is still in here. Well, you, you know, as massage therapists, no stuff is in the body, right? Absolutely. And so that's, you know, what we work, we don't work a lot, we don't talk to people a lot about their stories. We're like seeing where it's landed in the body, how can we move it, how can we be with people through all the the shaking and the crying and the howling and stuff that it takes to move stuff out of the body Mm. and then see like what's there and what are people's desires and how can we work towards helping them get it Mm. so how do you go about finding a sexological body worker 
Yeah, we have uh, an association called the Association for Certified Sexological Body Workers. So the ACSB has um, a web page where you can find a whole list of practitioners from around the world. And there are um, other associations. There's the Canadian Association. There's the Australian one, the UK one. I think there's a Brazil one. So it depends, like, if they, they might be just typing stuff into Google and might happen to, like, come across our page. Um, but that, there is the list of practitioners on the ACSB page. And so people can look through that, look at people's profiles and, you know, oh, they work with people like me. Okay, mm-hmm. so I might want to, I'm going to try to see if I can get a session with them. But they're certified and reputable because they've been put through that system. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. they've and, been trained. Okay. And because they're a member of the association, which has a code of ethics. What kind of people do you train to do this work? What kind of person wants to become a sexological body worker? The last, I just the, just to connect this to your last question, I think one of the things that happens is we get like doctors and nurses and massage therapists and therapists who come and take the training with the sole purpose of finding out what it's about so that they can refer people because they need somewhere to send people for the work beyond what they can do. Wow. Yeah. And then so so we end up developing these great, you know, relationships where we can work in tandem with folks. So what was your question? Again? My question was, <laughs> was who comes to get these trainings and why do they come to the trainings? That's a very good answer. Yeah. Are there, are there, are there, I'm sure there's also other people who are interested in becoming practitioners, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I also think there's folks who like massage therapists is um, where sexual issues are coming up on the table or they're realizing that they might feel a calling or that they're working with people and they're not working with certain parts of the body and noticing that people are, you know, struggling with pain or with emotional things and that they can't reach because it's not within the code of ethics of massage therapy. Mm -hmm. And so there's that. There's also sex workers, um, you know, all kinds of folks who, you know, from all walks of life who end up sort of feeling the call to work with people. There's former sex educators who do, um, who might do like more talk kind of sex education who really want to get people in their bodies. So, you know, people from all walks of life that so, come through. So what is the training process like? How intense is the actual process? Mm. I would say it's pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> and our students tell us that too. Yeah, we get that yeah. feedback. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we have three modules and uh, the first module, I mean, really it's like as soon as they're signed up and, and the module starts, it's it's going. And so they have homework assignments. They're beginning to uh, work with people and work with consent and work with uh, boundaries and they start that process and then they, you know, learn uh, some massage techniques and working with scar tissue and all, you know, they just like, they go for it and then they come to the intensive, which is where we're at right now and it's 9 to 6.30 every day and uh, we're working on each other. Again, we're just reviewing all the things that we, that they learned in the first module, you know, in a more deep deeper way especially around the pieces of consent and then in the third module they take all the stuff that they've learned they bring it back to their communities and and work with people there and sort of see who it is that they want to work with what's the clientele that they they feel really excited about what are the modalities that are within sexological body work that they feel really excited about working with Hmm. um can you describe some of the modalities within sexological body work yeah i mean the one that's like coming up right now is uh, we do scar tissue remediation. And so I think that 
puts sexological body workers in a really unique position because we do know how to work with scars. And so a lot of folks who've had all kinds of surgeries or perhaps, you know, traumas of kinds and can come to us and, you know, we palpate and work with the scar. We also, you know, in the motions that may come, if there is any, and possibly release some of the adhesions that are underneath that might be pulling on certain muscles that might be reducing pleasure or uh, providing, it might like some of those adhesions uh, create numbness in the area. And so like can really affect people's pleasure Hmm. with lack of sensation or numbness or um, just feeling held emotion in these places. And so we get to actually work with that. Hmm. Um, So in massage therapy, it's, pretty common for a massage therapist to withhold or shut down their own sexuality when they walk into a room and that makes it easy because they're that's that's their boundary and the person on the table is supposedly not going to be sexual as well how do you guys train people to be with other people's sexuality while not expressing or necessarily feeling their own do you do you have them feel their own or do they shut that down yeah that's a really good question I think the the biggest question that we continually ask ourselves is who is this for? And so when we're working with people and I don't say that we, you know, shut down pleasure or arousal, but we learn how to hold it and have it be, you know, with ourselves and so that it's not leaky energy or, you know, somehow making the session about us that we're really, you know, that the constant question of who is this for, what, you know, and asking for consent and along the whole way. And so I think it really... Um, it's not easy. It sounds like no. you, you have them put it in a box. It's not about shutting it down, but uh, restraining it so that it doesn't spill over onto the client. Yeah. And I think it's it's probably... It's, it's, a, it's of no use for someone who's trying to work on things around sexuality to be in a room with someone who who is like not connected to their pleasure, you know, Mm. it's, that's how, you know, half of this work is permission. Right. Right. And, and being the people we are as part of permission giving. Yes. It seemed, it would seem odd to uh, be helping someone awaken their pleasure while completely repressing your own. Mm -hmm. Seems antithetical. You know, everybody from garbage men to, to uh, CEOs, I mean, I'm sure we all have some arousal at our jobs. Mm-hmm. It's all about what we do with that. Hmm. Yeah. A common fear for massage therapists is that their clients will make a sexual advance. And when the therapist shuts that down, that the person who is sexually rejected will feel anger and get maybe violent or unruly. So what are some of the tools that you use to help de-escalate aggression or violence or anger when it comes to sex? I think we front load things. Like we front load with this might happen. And here's some of the reasons why it may happen. The only model that we have for sexuality these days or that we were brought up with most of us is partner connection. So if there's two people and sex, it's going to be love and romance and specialness. Right, And so if we front load talking to our clients about that, this is the stuff that's going to come up. It's beautiful. Your desires are welcome. Here's the container that we're in. And we're just going to stay in that container. But you can have all the alls that you're going to have. And we're just going to stay in that container. Because what we're working on is you having all those things. 
hmm. so that you can get it outside of our office. Hmm. So, I mean, that's what I would say, I suppose, to massage therapists is just like saying to clients, if there's desire, just being like, your desires are beautiful. They're not going to get met here, but I just want to hold that, like, thank you for showing up with that. Hmm. Wow, that is a very different approach than I think a lot of massage therapists take. I think it's a lot easier for them to simply put up a wall and to say no and to push away mm-hmm. people who have these desires. Well, you know that little thing that's at the fairgrounds where you hit the thing on the head and it, it pops up over here? Mm-hmm. Like what a, it's called a whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole, yeah. That's what sexuality is like. If you hit it, it comes up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So if you don't hit it and if you just welcome it, it's not. It's less likely to come out sideways somewhere else. Hmm. Yeah, I think that it's it's interesting. I, I'm also a little sympathetic to massage therapists in this because they don't have the training that you guys are talking about, so they're not going to feel prepared yeah. to handle mm-hmm. anything like that. And they're touching people's mm-hmm. bodies, right? And yeah. we're in such a lack as uh, as massage therapists. No, like touch deprived culture. Yeah, and so you touch someone, they're going to have feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So what are some of the most challenging circumstances you guys have had in your practice? Challenging? Hmm. I mean, I would say for me, I guess I do... um, It's been like quite a learning around transference. And also... Where like coming to a point where I was like, okay, this happens and I have to like, it's a normal part of the process. And so I just have to talk about it with them when it happens and not shame them and not, uh, but also be within my own boundaries. And uh, yeah, you know, even if I am front loading it with, this is what we do. And we talk about it every time of like, if I'm one of their main people, they can talk to about what's going on in their bodies, about their sexuality, that that might happen. And so I think that was like, I don't know if it was a challenge as much as it was like a really wonderfully like rich learning experience. Hmm. But you found it internally fairly difficult to get through it? At first, yeah. Hmm. At first I was like, you know, I think I was just kind of confused about it. And I had, I think it was my own, my own stuff <laughs> that was coming up, you know, and I was like, okay. And then, you know, once I, I just sort of, uh, you know, sat with these things a little bit more and realized that. Um, you know, it's a part of the process and it's okay and it's normal and um, not having it be so like over here, you know, separate from me that um, that we could, I could actually engage in conversation that really led to a lot of more like deepening experiences for me and the client. Hmm. So. But for you, Captain? I think some of the, over the years, the Hardest things have been um, when I've made an in, in, inaccurate assessment of someone's level of emotional stability in readiness for the work, and we've gotten to a place where it's just it's not it's not helpful, and they need to go do some other things. Yeah, I think those are the situations I sort of beat up, beat up myself on. It's probably not all that horrible for the client, but it's, you know, I beat up on myself for not... For inaccurate assessment in your yeah. mind? Hmm. And is it primarily the emotional stability or readiness? 
Yeah, and people might have might have things happen in their lives that change. Like maybe when we first started talking about doing the work, they were in a place where that was good, and then they had a breakup, or they had some some big grief come up in their life, or just maybe the the level of grief that came up in the work. Hmm. Yeah, and often we can just like call in more supports, which is good. It's like okay, here's a therapist. You can keep talking about this. So, do you guys have marriage and family counselors or? Psychotherapists on call. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even at the ready in the next room? (laughs) (laughs) Not in the next room, but definitely. um, I mean, that's something that we like to talk about over and over again with people that we're training is like have referrals, have people have their cards ready for, you know, all kinds of things like if uh, trauma specialists or, uh, yeah, counselors or therapists, you know, all different kinds of body workers, you know, so that we can try to help them on their journey if like our work only goes so far you know we work within our scope of practice yeah so it's it's interesting as i'm talking to you guys there's this growing sense in me that i feel like massage therapists need to have sexological body workers as referral partners Mm -hmm. because there's this pattern that i see that exists where a person is a massage therapist someone comes into their practice and makes a sexual advance they shut them down And that person feels shame and walks away and probably does it again somewhere else to another massage therapist who in turn does the same thing. And it's a pattern that cycles over and over again. And really what we're looking for is how do we break that pattern, right? Do we just shame this person until they stop looking for what they're they're looking for? Mm -hmm. Or do we get them help for what they need? Mm -hmm. Hmm. And containers that are already out there Mm -hmm. where where they could like play with that power exchange that they want to have. Mm. Yeah. I think that would be very relieving for a massage therapist in some ways. Instead of having to f- get this panic button, slam down the, no, I got to end this and, and, and you're a bad person and let me get out of here. Instead, no, let me just refer you to someone else. Mm-hmm. I think that would be very powerful. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, don't, I just don't want to um, ignore the real... And possible violence, and I'm sure stuff that that um, uh, female identified massage therapists deal with all the time. Not that that men don't, but I, mm-hmm. that's real. Absolutely, yeah. and you ha- they have to feel safe, and there has to be protocols for keeping their safety. But I also think that there is a there's definitely a spectrum of people who come in who need help, yeah. and those. Those female massage therapists and the male massage therapists that are also propositioned, they also can can help a great number of people mm-hmm. just by just by having someone to send them to. Totally. Well, what about you? What do you think? What do I think about like, how come how come it's such a big question for you? It's a big question for me because it's a big question in my industry. Mm. The longer I do body work, the more I realize that I'm working with the whole human being. Mm, yeah. Obviously, I'm working with the musculature and the skeletal and the neuromuscular network mm-hmm. and everything that puts the human together. But there's also the, the emotional content. There's the relationship you create in the room. And I think massage therapists try to push that aside. Mm-hmm. And I know I have tried to push that aside to focus on the anatomy and the physiology in order to create more validity to the work I'm doing or to try and make it more mainstream. And I don't think that those two things are necessarily mutually inclusive. Mm -hmm. I think that we can have both. 
And it's scary to start approaching working with more of the human human body and the human spirit and the human mind because it gets outside of our comfort zone and we're not trained for it. And I think this is where a lot of the really bad situations that, or not really bad, the really unfortunate situations that come up is when there's something that can be avoided and it's not avoided because mm-hmm. there's not the right training to, mm-hmm. to, to, to make sure that it goes as smoothly or as best as possible. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to go smooth. Yeah. <laughs> so right. that's, that's Thanks why for I, saying, yeah. yeah, that's why, that's why I'm interested in it. And I, and I, I think it's an important, it's an important subject because there's people have a lot of fire around this. A lot of fire, a lot of mm. a desire of of otherizing. You know, it's interesting mm. for a community that is accepting and as warm as massage therapists to be so otherizing, uh, pushing them, aw- pushing sex workers, people who mm-hmm. work with sexuality, away in a box as prostitutes, right. as an, and yeah. saying that as a negative thing. Right. Yeah. So that was my little spiel. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> So it seems to me that there's a line between pleasure and sexual pleasure, especially when we're talking about touch and sensuality. So a touch that starts as sensual can become sexual to the recipient. And I'm wondering what makes up that threshold in your opinion? What, what line is there in the brain that gets crossed? I'm not sure if I believe that there's a line. <laughs> I guess. Um, I think there's like, there's always, or this is, there's a conversation that tends to happen of like sex here, everything else here, you know, and that sex is like its own thing and its own box. And it's not like interwoven in our lives and in all these other ways. And like, uh, yeah. And so I, I guess my desire is like that they aren't, aren't so separate that pleasure and pleasure and erotic pleasure and all these kind of things in our life really are woven together. Um, Cause I feel like it's just, it's always been kind of sex pushed into some other space. Like the genitals itself are, you know, that's just the one sex place that, you know, people can feel pleasure, which is not true. You know, it's everywhere. Like our entire body, we can feel sexual and erotic pleasure. And so, yeah, I guess I am not quite sure about a line. I don't know. Well, that line is the entire spectrum in your mind, I guess. It's that it's all interwoven in one gradient, all one gradient yeah. of pleasure. Yeah, like I don't know if I want there to be a line. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. hmm. The definition that we work with around pe- pleasure as sexological body workers is the dance between, you know, relaxation and joy and arousal and excitement. Huh. So that could be about anything. Yeah. It could be about seeing your dog when you get home mm-hmm. or having somebody stick something in you that you like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that definitely threw me off. <laughs> so how much of the recipient's feeling of sexual pleasure or not sexual pleasure has to do with the intent of the person giving the touch? Well, that's a really good question. Come on, brain. Well, I'm, I'm going back to, like, the stuff that we talk about about, you know, with anything about intention versus impact. 
and yeah. how we can hardly ever tell in the world how what we do is going to land, right? And if someone said, if we're like, my intention was to make you a cup of coffee, and the impact was the coffee is like the most triggering, horrible thing, and they used to get it thrown on them as a kid, our intention was to do something nice, like, we have no idea. Hmm. And we can't argue with the impact of things. Mm -hmm. So I think... That fits in somewhere, but I'm not... Quite it sure. does. Well, I think what you're saying is that we have the power to, to influence, but we're not necessarily sure what that influence is going to be. So we can have the intent of non-sexual touch, and that could arouse someone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we could have the intent of sexual touch, and that could not arouse someone. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's happened to all of us, I think. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, so before we finish, do you guys have an answer for a question I didn't ask? I mean, you asked us who are the people that get called to do this work. One of the most common things that we hear in our interviews is from people that they have always been that person that their friends have gone to to ask about sex stuff. So it's people that have been sort of like hearing the call of the work for years and haven't been able to find or have found different containers for it and are now finding this container and are sort of finally picking up the phone. And I can imagine anybody in the healthcare field that's looking to expand their range of being, their range of training, and the capacity of the situations they could handle would be interested, not only in checking out this work, but also in the training itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I guess just the other thing that I would offer is that, you know, our training, one of the things that we is like super fundamental to what we're doing is that being in this work, we have to like constantly look at our own stuff. And, um, and I guess one of the tools is rigorous self-care around our, our own needs getting met around touch, um, and around, uh, sexuality and around companionship and stuff. And in order to be in right relationship with our own sexuality before we walk into the office or the group. Or... That sounds very much like massage therapists need to get massaged. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> to be in alignment with the work that you do. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. I really appreciate the time and the honesty. Thank you. This is great. Thank All you. Right. thank you so much for tuning in today if you enjoyed the episode please go ahead and review it on itunes and if you have any questions that you had wished i had asked or topics you want me to cover in the future please visit the website at www.housethepressure.com where you can send me an email and hopefully i can include it until next time be good and be well